This is Broadcast, Talking TV, recorded at Maple Street Studios. Hello and welcome, I'm Peter White. This week, we're at UKTV Live, the multi-channel broadcaster's annual event showing off their latest shows and talent, where we caught up with comedian Matt Ford about becoming Dave's answer to John Oliver. We look at Netflix's entry into the tween genre after Lime joined the exclusive club of British producers to win a commission for the streaming service, as well as the return of the Crystal Maze. And finally, we have previews of National Treasure, Channel 4's Operation U-Tree-style drama, starring Robbie Coltrane and Julie Walters, and We Love Sitcom, a celeb panel quiz bookending the BBC's recent sitcom season. That's all coming up on Talking TV from Broadcast. Joining me at Maple Street Studios, as always, Kerfuffle founder Stephen D. Wright and Stephen D. Wynn, head of Pretzel TV, the company behind CBBC's official chart show. How are we, lads? Very good. good. Same we, names, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, Stephen D. Wright and Stephen D. Wynn. Woo! Good luck with that. This will be confusing. If this was a visual medium, we could all see that Stephen D. Wynn is wearing a level 42 t-shirt. Well, now I've told you that, and everyone's really quite impressed, right? <laughs> Very impressed. Good. Well, let's crack on with some news. First, this week, Netflix. This time, the SVOD service has ordered a 10-part tween horse drama from Lime Pictures, making the Hollyoaks producer the first all-three media indie to win business with the streaming service. Uh, Co-MD Kate Little told Broadcast this week that the likes of Netflix and Amazon were triggering a complete resurgence in kids' live-action telly. Uh, Stephen D. Wynn, uh, what do you make of this? You, uh, you work in the kids' TV business? I think it's, it's going to be good, can't it? I'm delighted it's gone to UK indie. And I think any other outlet that's not CBBC that's got live action going on is brilliant. It's about horses. Everyone loves horses, right? I mean, that's a huge sort of pull. But no, I'm delighted for them. And I think it can only be good news. And hopefully it means that, you know, there's more outlets than hooray, I say. Is Netflix the saviour of kids' telly in oh, Britain? God, is it? My kids watch Netflix all the time. A lot of it is shit. They watch, I mean, just anything that's on there. But they don't know the other channels. They don't know what channels are. And in fact... <laughs> We were in the States recently and there was adverts on. They had not seen... My two youngest haven't seen adverts. Oh, and I was come sitting, on. They've never seen adverts. Why would they have seen adverts? Never seen an advert in their life. Right. They watch Netflix. I'm reporting you to social services because you're obviously <laughs> a bad parent for a start. <laughs> but they don't know... They, they are channel agnostic. They, I, they <sighs> have no idea what Nickelodeon is or Cartoon Network. They haven't got a clue. They watch Netflix on sometimes Amazon. And they have a library there. Not a very well-curated library, but... A library there of, of everything they want to watch. And they don't like it, they vote with their feet and watch something else. Yeah. So uh, is it the saviour? I don't know if it's a saviour necessarily, but it's certainly the way that my kids and a lot of kids are consuming kids' TV now. Because we saw BBC responsible for something like 96% of original British kids' yeah, commissions in, in the UK. That was in 2014. So any new money is good, right? That's got to be good. And also, they're talking, they're talking about it's a multi-million pound budget. I mean, that's great. I mean, that can yeah, only no, be good. This is always good news to hear that Netflix are opening up to UK indies. Always, my only worry is is how do we pitch to Netflix? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't figured out that part yet. Do you think they will open the doors slightly more? You know, obviously Andy Yeatman is. The I think man the, the more the more listen the more they they talk to the British producers, the more they're going to start realizing we're the best in the world at making telly. Yeah, they will get that. You know, I mean, it's starting to happen. I mean, you know, and in grown up TV too, that they 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 understand that it's not just the Americans that can do these big sort of um, lavish productions. And kids' TV, the American stuff is very American, whereas the Brits can make, and Lime are, are brilliant at sort of making stuff that's that will work internationally as well, have an international flavour to it rather than just being very British 
great that the money's here, but I think it will feel international. Can we keep calling it grown-up TV, by the way? Because I quite like that term. <laughs> Rather than adults. Rather than just well, TV. Well, let's not do it on that. Oh, I see. Because I, I never think about it as grown-up TV. But grown-up TV is quite, kind of cool. I work in grown-up TV. Grown-up TV, Stephen. Yeah. Uh, have you thought about going into the kids' business now? I don't think I'm allowed this? to under the court order. But, um, <laughs> I would love to get into bed with Netflix in any way, shape, or form. Uh, up next, RDF-backed entertainment indie Fizz is to reboot cult Channel 4 game show The Crystal Maze. It wants to make it relevant and refreshed for a younger generation. Bum, 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 This is helpful. And obviously the indie uh, is doing this as a one-off uh, to start with for Stand Up For Cancer with Stephen Merchant as the host. But Fizz told us this week that they would like to turn on the fans for a full series. Did uh, they say what, that? What a surprise. Did they actually say that? Was that you? Did they say, hi, Pete, listen, what we'd like to do is turn on the fans and oh, do a full if series? If only we could turn on the fans, as we all say every day. We all say that. Does the Crystal May stand a chance? Yes. Sadly, because of <laughs> the uh, brand recognition, because of the reboot, you know, revival, it sort of sickens me because it's not new. And it feels like lazy commissioning and all the rest of it. But at the same time, Stephen Merchant presenting it sounds quite that's cool. Good. I think that's a good call. Merchant's you know, a good call. I've seen the thing in Angel, the live experience. You've done it. I haven't done it. I've been around it. and I've, That's where they're filming it. That's, and and yeah. that's fascinating because that's going to be quite a challenge to make that look like it used to be on Channel 4. Because if it looks more shit than it did back then, and yeah. it did look great. And that was, you know, hmm. a few years back. They had that massive setup in, was it Watford or... Mm. Somewhere outside the M25, which we obviously never talk about. Um, but they had this massive set. There was a standing set. And they're going to use this live experience to film it. They're gonna, they've got some work to do to make that look good. And Channel 4's done TFI Friday, Euro Trash. Mm. Uh, why are they rebooting so many of these? Why aren't they coming up with the, the next <laughs> Crystal Maze? Listen, it's a, as I say, lazy commissioning. It's an easy win. you know, Because you, it's that thing, if it gets instant press, because mm. everyone has that kind of nostalgia yeah. for it, which is fine. It's just that nobody, no one, we don't want to make reboots. We want to make new stuff. Does it matter though? Because there's a whole bit of the audience that haven't seen it before will not know what Crystal Maze is. And because it was 20 years ago or so. Um, and, and therefore. I'm, you know, I'm being a bit of a pain because obviously that's I'm going to tune like in and watch. You yeah, know, exactly. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm the producer's friend. Um, I want to see new commissions always and the odd one coming back. But it just feels like a lot of. You know, maybe maybe it's because the sitcom season's just been on, um, and we, there's so many old. We've got blankety you know, blank coming back. Hurrah! Oh. See, <laughs> this makes me that gives me a slightly sinking feeling when you say things like that, and yet they could be good. Wouldn't we rather have Crystal Maze than than f- um, famous and fearless though? Well, yeah, definitely. But um, I'd, I'd rather, rather have, I'd rather have colour bars than. I'd rather have two new shows than oh. two old ones. I think of one-off, that makes sense. But I can see why Fizz are going, we should make this a series, right? <laughs> right? No. Yeah. Get those. What turn was down, it? Turn Warm down up the fans or something. Can, can we up? stop the fans, please? <laughs> What's next? Uh, you worked on CD UK, uh, Steve. Uh, what about bringing that back? We're going to reboot that. And to Decker up for it, which is great news. Uh, we're going to fly Cat back from uh, America. We've got Prince coming up as our first guest. Um, <laughs> and we get the Spice Girls back together. I yeah. know they've already done that. And called it, what have they called it? Something ridiculous. The Spice Girls are reforming. There's three of them reforming. Yeah, Spice, I think. No, it's no, no. That would be all right. It's uh, Spike. It's, uh, it's uh, Spiked Mel Girls. Yeah, it's uh, Gem. G 
Jerry, yeah. Emma, and Mel. Jem, stop that now. This is nothing to do with broadcast, is it? This is nothing to do with TV, but we're happy to indulge you. It's fantastic. Is your show, is the chart show essentially the reboot of, uh, of CD UK? I think so. I mean, we've got the top of the pop slot on Fridays at seven now, which is great. And, you know, music is everywhere. The music videos you can go onto YouTube and watch them whenever you want. So we've had to sort of think about a show to make it more interesting than just performances, which you could see at any point. So just trying to play with it a bit more. I also don't think, frankly, kids really know what a chart is. So we sort of, we're doing our best to shove the sort of, the language that we use. So we're calling lots of things playlists and things like that. Because I don't think they really ultimately know what a top 10 is or care. But it is the stuff they're listening to on a week by week basis or streaming or downloading. So it's still absolutely got relevance. And we bang on about this all the time, uh, Stephen, but uh, it's only a matter of time before the word comes back, right? Oh, everyone on the word is now dead. You know, it's basically, you know, we're all pensioners insane or dead. I don't know. I'd love to bring it back. I would, what I'd like to do, I'd like to see that anarchic anything totally. can happen. That's what's missing on telly. The fact that, the, that what we used to do on the word was was revolutionary. Now it's, you, you can't even talk about it. It's, you literally wouldn't know what was around no, the corner. And that know, would never, I, mean, that I can't every... imagine a commissioner going, tell you what guys, you go off and do what you want. Yeah. Kissing grannies, fantastic. It's that L7 showing their, they would be closed down, wouldn't you they? Know, on a Monday, they used to be delighted if we'd been sort of, you know, splashed all over the papers and ripped to shits. But commissioners are often talking about something anarchic and edgy. They, but don't, know yeah, they don't know what it means. Is, they don't. They won't risk their job. They can't spell it. <laughs> <laughs> is there anyone out there that's going to bring that back? Bring no. back that anarchic no. sense? No. no, 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 no. No, it's dead. I mean, this is where something like Netflix could actually do that because they're not beholden to advertisers, they're not beholden to, to ratings. They should be remaking those kind of anarchic shows where literally anything could happen. I hope Top Gear does something. In, well, yeah, the, the new absolutely. incarnation, what's it called? Um, uh, the Grand Tour. Grand, Grand Tour, yeah. That's a terrible name for it. Anyway, the Grand Tour. I, I'm hoping that they will push the boat and sort of go, we're going to do this. Mm. And Amazon have gone, you do whatever you want. Mm. And then hopefully it gets the ratings. People go, hold on. If they've mm. actually given the license yeah. to do what they want, away we go. Vice, they're launching in well, 19th of September. Absolutely, Vice should be doing it. But I bet you they don't. Yeah, they won't. They say that. They, they Vice say... are as corporate as they come. Yeah. That's the worst thing about Vice. They pose as hipsters. We're waiting to be bought, right? You know. Who wants the buyers? No one. Bye-bye. <laughs> Moving on. Finally, uh, Julie Walters is fronting her first factual series in 17 years after Channel 4 ordered a four-part railway travelogue. Uh, the broadcasters ordered uh, Britain's Coastal Railways with Julie Walters from Alaska TV. Uh, this is her first show since Julie Walters is an alien in New York in uh, 1999. Uh, interesting here, guys. Uh, why are these celebrity travelogues so popular? We've got Joanna Lumley, John Sargent, I Penelope can't get Keith. I of railways. I don't think I've seen every single centimetre of track yet, but it's great that Julie's now doing it because... I'm, you know, delighted by Coastal Railways. I mean, who doesn't want to watch Coastal Railways, right? Me. Me. Oh. I don't want to watch it. Why, why not? I don't want to Hates watch another one of these boring shows. Uh, but people do. Or maybe because that's all that seems to be on Do most people of the time. want to do uh, four hours of it? I love Julie. I think she's a national treasure. See what I've done there, Pete. Yeah, I do. You're welcome. Good link, good link for later. Thanks very much. But it's an easy win, isn't it? Julie Waltz is fantastic. Mm. Some beautiful countryside. Well, Wales. Um... <laughs> Fantastic, um, but Channel. I'm surprised by Channel. If that was ITV, who've done That's the thing. It's, best it's, rivers it's, and ITV have got their little niche now, kind of quite high end A list names. Joanna Lumley, I can watch doing anything because yeah. she's great. And it's like, mm, does it feels like they pitched it to ITV first, got turned down, and went to Channel Four. And I don't know why Channel Four pitched it. Well, Paul Merton's just done a railway series with Channel Four as well, hasn't he? <laughs> Is this just channels paying for A list stars' holidays? Yes, probably. Well, you see it on EPG. If I'm going through the EPG mm. and going, no, no, Julie Walters, okay, what's it about? Rail- 
I've been on a railway. Poop, poop. Four hours of it, though. <laughs> Who would you like to produce a travelogue for, and where, oh, and where would you send goodness. them? I. <laughs> that's a great question, Peter White. Uh, where would I send, send uh, Julie Walters? Um, no, no, Alaska's sending Julie Walters. No, I'm going to take her. What about Julie Walters in Alaska? Yeah, with Jonna Lumley. Much more interesting. And uh, that celebrity Martin Clunes and his dogs. Uh, well, they driving those trucks in Alaska. Yeah, that. Yeah. There you go. Ice road trucking. Yeah, with Alaska, Julie Walters. With Julie Walters. Oh my God! If someone's th- we've that's a commission. Yeah, I came up with it. If anybody, if anyone, Did you? any lawyers are listening. <laughs> well, that's your news. Uh, thanks to Stephen and Stephen. Next up, this week saw the launch of UKTV Live, the broadcaster's annual programming event where it launches its new shows. I caught up with some of the stars of the shows, but first, here's Darren Charles, Chief Executive of UKTV, to tell us about the event. So we've been doing this for five or six years now, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more people, and it just kind of shows the community of people that are kind of working with UKTV getting bigger and bigger and more successful as well. And you use it in different ways. You've got the producers of the talent yep. here, you've got the talent itself, and you've got us pesky journalists asking yep. loads of questions. Yep. And presumably that's that's all part of the plan, to show the sort of breadth of UKTV. That's exactly right. So it's great to be able to get everyone here. Again, we, we rely on a huge amount of support from... You know, independent producers from from you guys, from journalists that have been really supportive of everything that we've been doing over the last five years. So, and to get the talent here, which is you know normally they're normally quite removed, and you know they're filming off somewhere else, and and actually put it all in one place so we can actually remember why we're in this business and we're doing what we're doing, which is all about the content that's on screen. And so it's to try and kind of bring all that together bring that community together and get really excited about what we're going to be doing for the next couple of years. And you've had a good year. You showcased in the earlier session the uh, the ratings. You're mm-hmm. still ahead of the group of Channel 5 channels and Sky. So what's next? Where, where do you go from there? You, presumably you set your team some targets. <laughs> we just keep going. We just keep going. Look, the, the thing that we are really focused on is, is one, how important it is. Uh, in terms of dealing some of the things I talked about, about access to, and, and really how working in television feels. I strongly believe that television will be a stronger, a more robust medium, the more attractive it is to bring in talented people that really want to spend their time working there. So we spend a lot of time working on that. And the second bit is, is the stuff that you're seeing today, which is just a huge slate of fantastic content, which our viewers love. And it's, it's amazingly rewarding when... All of that work that everyone's doing uh, and contributing to, that's what I was trying to say on the stage this morning, again, team, big team sport, when that results in bigger and bigger viewership numbers, it's incredibly rewarding because because it's the audience basically saying, we like what you're doing, keep going, do more of it. And that's what we're going to focus on. And you spent more on content. This investment is it seems to be keep growing. You, you're heading towards nearly uh, you know over 150 million pounds a year on content, and it seems like that's just going north. Is that right? Well, look, we we are extremely focused on getting as much money on screen as possible. And again, it's something we we spend a lot of time talking about internally. It's the stuff that's on screen that matters, and so we do everything we can to try and do more and more and more of it. So yeah, the the great thing is it becomes a virtuous circle. The bigger our audiences, the more our advertising and distribution revenue and that means we can invest more in content and get more stuff on screen and you're seeing the fruits of that again from you know if you think back to five years ago when we did this you know we had two or three shows now you know we're struggling to actually put all of the content into one morning and actually the big discussion internally is what stuff 
you know, should we not? We had a massive hit last night with a new show with Dara O'Brien. We're not even showcasing that here yet in any really shape or form. So, so again, we've, uh, uh, we've got a great slate of content. We're really proud of it and uh, we're going to continue to invest and grow. And you're talking across the channels, but, but some of the, the shows that you're talking about today are W. Seems to be a real push on that. And you mentioned uh, live sports. Are they sort of two of the key planks of, uh, of investment for this year? Yeah, I'd add to that digital as well. So what we're doing around our VOD business, UKTV Play is a really critical part of, of the business. Uh, in the same way when, when Dave was developed, we feel that we found something uh, with W that we think has got a really strong future ahead of us. And it's really only just getting going and it's really starting to pick up. So that's that's absolutely kind of uh, uh, critical for us. So yeah, we're very much focused on those things. Are the sports strategy just so you can get free tickets to the boxing and the cricket? <laughs> exactly right. Look, sports has been great and there are a number of great sports that don't get to see the the light of day our audiences are telling us they like it the numbers speak for themselves over three million for the david hay comeback fight so why would we not keep doing it if if our audiences like it and the people that are working with these the sports talent want to continue to work with us and get free to wear audiences uh, for some of these big events then we're going to continue to keep doing it so expect to see a lot more from us in that space that was Darren Childs, Chief Executive of UKTV, speaking to me earlier. And here's one of Darren's high hopes for the coming year is Matt Ford, uh, host of Unspun Political Comedy, coming forward this year. So I've been uh, doing political comedy for a while. and I've been doing a show in London called The Political Party, where I do stand-up about the month in politics and I interview a, a big political guest. And I've been doing that for about three and a half years. And as time's sort of gone on, we've looked at trying to get it commissioned into a TV show and, and make it different from the live show, because obviously on TV... Uh, you've got sort of more resources at your fingertips. So it's come out of that, really, and we're very lucky that uh, Dave were keen on it and, and have commissioned it, and it will be... The interview element will remain, but the beginning bit will be very different. So it'll be sort of me behind a desk, dealing with the week's political news. We'll have correspondents from Britain, from all over the world, dealing with, you know, what's happening in Europe and what's happening in America as well. So it takes elements of the live show and the, and the radio podcast, as well yes. as uh, sort of moving on to see what you can do on TV. Is that giving you a bit of opportunity to play with that you didn't have before? Oh, absolutely. Already, there are just so many different things you can do with things. Because in stand-up, you're quite limited, really. But with, with something like this, you can just do, you can use props, you can think of funny ways of packaging things, you can, you've got all the extra resources to, to make jokes in a different way. So it's just been the most exciting... I mean, we've been working on it for about a week already. It's been already the most exciting thing I've ever worked on. And it seems like a pretty good time uh, right now to be uh, doing a show about politics. That must give you some material to, to talk about. Well, there's tons. I mean, I cannot remember a more turbulent time in British politics in my lifetime. And, and as a sort of keen reader of the history of British politics, I don't think really anything like this has existed for a very, very long time. I'm the sort of person who always finds it exciting, but I think there is no doubt that people are more tuned into it now. You know, the referendum, whichever way people voted, and even if they didn't vote, has created a great deal of uncertainty in so many ways. I think making light of that and finding comedy in it, as well as helping people on some level to try and understand it, is a really exciting thing to be doing. Yeah, where do you start with uh, Brexit? Where do you start with such a massive political issue? Well, that's it. I mean, even the word Brexit, even the word Brexit, like this sort of new lexicon we've got. And I do, I, I do have a routine that I'm about to on stage about, you know, the Prime Minister keeps saying Brexit means Brexit, but Brexit means fuck all, because Brexit is a made-up word. So, like, it doesn't, in itself, they can't even tell us what it means. So it's just like this whole sort of new language that we're all using. And that, that word, we all use it, and yet it's this weird word that no one really knows what it means. And then within that, not just the negotiations of what it means to leave the European Union, but the fact that Theresa May has put Boris Johnson, Liam Fox and David Davis in charge of it. You know, the interplay between those three, the rivalries and the rows that are going to happen. 
there's so much colour to it. We've been crying out for a political comedy show. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. in the States, you've got John Stewart and you've got John Oliver. Why do you think that it's taken some time, perhaps, that we haven't had, uh, had a show like yours uh, on air? I think sometimes people are slightly risk averse. I think maybe it's something to do with the era we're living in. You know, people are perhaps easily offended now, and maybe TV companies don't want to have rows on their hands and things. People are very sensitive about their political views. But equally, I think the vast majority of people aren't Twitter trolls, and actually, the vast majority of people can hear someone they disagree with and be fine with it. And actually, I think there's been a nervousness on behalf of maybe the television industry to commission anything like that. When actually, things like this are very rewarding, and, and if you get the tone right. Yes, of course, you take a pop at the people in charge and the people who make mistakes and all the rest of it, but also you're helping inform people and you're helping make this very difficult world to understand, very entertaining, and you're opening it up. And actually, the net effect is a positive one, I think. And you're about to set filming, right? You're just starting getting an audience together. What's, uh, what's the next few weeks and months? Uh, you know, give, us a, give us the plan. So next Tuesday, the 13th, we film the first episode. It's then broadcast the following day on the 14th. And then for six weeks, we're in that cycle. Every Friday night, I'll go to a comedy club in London and try out some of the gags that we've been writing and things like that. I mean, obviously, I can't do the full show, but it would just be just for peace of mind, just to know that... Because at the heart of it, obviously, it's a TV show and it's a very different discipline, but I'm still a comic. So I still want to go on a stage knowing that, actually, I have tried this out and it does work. It's just my own peace of mind. So that's basically the, that's the diary of it. That's the calendar. Tuesday record, Wednesday... Uh, broadcast Friday. Throw shit at the wall. <laughs> With us we've got Danny Fenton from Zigzag and Sharon Powers, the exec producer of I've Got Something to Tell You with Amanda Holden. Uh, Danny, uh, hello. How, uh, how did the show come about? It was something that we'd had in development for a while and we felt that a confessional show shot as a fixed rig would be really compelling viewing because it covers all kind of the emotions in the show. But I think the thing that really kind of sealed the deal for us is when we got Amanda Holden on board. And the funny thing was, she was top of the list for UK TV. We approached her, and initially it was kind of a, not a negative, but it was just kind of not sure. And then Amanda actually contacted us through her agent and said, actually, I really, really want to do this show. It's been in my head since you pitched it to me. And I think having her on board, and actually having Sharon on board, because Sharon as an exec has done things like Bake Off and uh, Big Brother, and I think it was a big show and it needed somebody who was big. It is true in my life that people do tell... I, do, I know so many things about people. I've got a lot of stuff on people, basically. But I think it's because I'm quite chatty myself and I'm very honest and I tell everybody everything and whatever I'm feeling at the time, everybody knows about it. I've never really held back. No, holding back. I've never really held anything back, oh. much to my husband's dismay. And you filmed it now. Uh, so, Sean, how did, that, how did that process go? It, explain to us a little bit about the format itself. Well, the format is that Amanda's created a tea room, which we've rigged with cameras, and people, ordinary people with extraordinary stories come along, chat to their loved ones, and in lots of um, those conversations, they might confess something or reveal something for the very first time. But at its heart, it's really warm. And what's wonderful is that the people who come to the tea room forget very quickly that there are cameras there so you really feel like you're eavesdropping in on intimate conversations. What sort of confessionals were they making? Well there's lots of different things obviously you know watch the show to find out you know what some of the revelations are but there are there are people who are surprising people with things for them to tick off their bucket list. Um, there's proposals 
in one instance someone comes out to their friends for the very first time. So there's a whole range of stories and revelations and nothing's more interesting than real people talking honestly about their lives. Was it important to have it in an intimate location so that people did feel like they could share those stories? Absolutely. I think, you know, in this day and age, we're all sort of obsessed with our phones and our iPads, etc. So it was a real opportunity for the people who came through the doors of the tea room to put their devices away and chat like they don't normally chat to their loved ones. And it was very revealing for them and every single person who went into the tea room came away having discovered something not just about the other person that they were talking to but about themselves as well. Wonderful and uh, so the show goes out soon on W. Um, what's the hope? Uh, obviously they've got high hopes given at UKTV Live that they've got Amanda speaking. What's, uh, what's your hope for it Danny? Well I think the rebrand has worked really well for them. If you look at the John Bishop show it got 500,000 consolidated which they're ecstatic about. The show's going out prime time nine o'clock uh, October the 3rd. I think they're going to put a lot of marketing and PR behind it which is one of the great things about UK TV. With Amanda fronting it and the way the you know the press love Amanda you hope all the planets will line up and it'll be it'll be a successful show. Um, I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be. Previews time now. Back with me are Stephen D. Wynn and Stephen D. White. Our first preview is Channel 4 drama National Treasure. The Savile-esque drama is centred around historic sexual offences against a fictional and much-loved public figure and stars Robbie Coltrane and Julie Walters. A clip from the beginning of the story as early one morning the police make an unexpected visit. Mrs Finchley? Yes. My name is D.I. Palmer. This is D.S. Georgeson. We're here for a word with your husband. Word about what? There's been an allegation of rape made against you. This is a warrant for the search of your premises. Some kind of joke. Grandad? Sorry, buddy. Sorry, son. Phone um, Simon. No. What's going on? We weren't aware your grandchildren were in the house. Can your wife arrange alternative care? I want to make this as easy as possible for you. Sorry, um, you're accusing me of what? What did we think of this? The hype on this was good. It felt like it was going to be really hard-hitting, really kind of a emotive, whatever. And then I watched it, and I was a bit like, mm. it left me a little bit cold. Right. There was a, I thought it felt like it was slightly over-directed, slightly too loudly screaming, give me the BAFTA. You know, it had that kind of sort of uh, weight on it. The actual storyline, you know, quite nice, but the, to me there was a... I don't know. It, it, for some reason, I didn't connect with this. You know, I love all the. the, the you were disappointed. Actors. You had high hopes. I had really high hopes. I thought it was going to be a really meaty piece. Now it could get better, obviously, because it's you know. But there was the, there was a there was a hell of a lot of close ups of Robbie Coltrane's face. I mean, it seemed to be with a lovely nine, dropped out sort of background. You know, ninety percent of Robbie Coltrane's face, the jowls and all. I mean, it, you know, the direction started to get in 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 the way. I felt. Whereas this story obviously can get, you know, richer and deeper and da 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 and we don't know whether he did it and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, I'll keep watching it, but I, w I wanted to love it. I wanted to love it from the minute it started, and I didn't. Do you agree, Steve? I, I, amazingly, I do agree really? with Stephen D. Wright. Yeah, I, 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 I wrote down, fuck me while I cast. I mean, because the, the titles come up, you go, because I, I knew nothing about it. You just put it's the pedo show from Channel 4, and I went, okay, fine, let's watch this. With a cast like that, and it looked like it was going to be well-directed, and it's Channel 4 as well. You say, oh, we're going to go in here. Yeah. But it felt like an ITV 
nine o'clock thing. It felt like a broad churchy, but we got sort of other people in it. I, and, and in fact, the subject matter in terms of it sort of being some, you know, uh, uh, faded comedy stars was very ITV as well. And so I thought Channel 4 will take it in a different, darker, mm. more interesting direction and a little bit sort of more turny. Mm. But it didn't happen. I got to the end of it. Like, you know, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll watch the second yeah. ep. But it really, the second ep needs to kick off yes. in a really big yeah, yeah, way yeah, big time. for me to sort of commit to the rest of it. I'm surprised. Just, I'm surprised by both of you. I mean, you did you like it? I, I did. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was great. I could see, you know, the weightiness of it. Um, but it I mean, it does scream BAFTA, but yeah. it didn't go anywhere though. It's sort of. It's all quite predictable. It's mm. sort of like, okay, so this is the thing, and he's doing okay. And we didn't know where necessarily it was going to go. National Treasure. See, I can't. I mean, I can't tell. I couldn't see guilt. I couldn't see. Uh, moral ambiguity. I couldn't see anything in in his head. Do you know what I mean? There was a little bit of poor me, you know, in the storyline sort of thing. But there was none of this kind of. You think this was, and 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 with the uh, Julie Walters too. You know, you think these are and Tim McInery, which I, who I thought wasn't that good. I love him. I think he's yeah. brilliant. But I thought he's a bit sort of like, what are you doing here? And what are you going to be? Hopefully, he'll get more involved in it, and he might be. I don't know what's yeah. going to happen, but possibly it's a bit slow. Actually, you know what I mean. It's, it's a little, like, you know, it, it's long, lots of long shots, lots of close. -ups I just wanted it to be where you just want to go. Come on, you've got a really meaty subject here with an incredibly resonant sort of theme, and you're not. I just think, a I, meal yeah, of I it. compare that to something like Happy Valley, and it's not a fair comparison. Yeah. Sorry, but Happy Valley, which has got the worst title in the world, and I didn't watch it. Funny enough, I only caught up with it on Netflix. I didn't watch it on because I thought Happy Valley. What the hell is that? Mm. Um, and then watching, went, oh my god, that is an amazing piece of television that they did have yeah. those twists and turns, yeah, yeah. and really went dark. From the moment it started as well. Whereas this is a bit sort of like, come on, guys. Yeah, fifteen years since Brass Eye, right? Uh, yes, exactly. And and that still is like right on the. I mean, you watch that and it's still buttock clenching. Oh my god, mm. how? And you talk about anarchic television. Yeah, how did it get right. away the with old that? Old Channel Four. Yeah, Michael Grade is a. In the middle of, uh, remember that? Yes, good. Uh, no, I, I was disappointed, and I I will give the next part. You know, I'd, 15 I'd, I'd minutes, like to we'll see, see. What the, what, when this, you know when this is previewed and reviewed, what people are really say yeah. because I think the previews will all be oh wait you see the amazing cast it's Jack and Thorne it is an writing amazing cast. it you know best writer in Britain blah, blah blah and it's this and it's that and everybody will be like wow this is amazing yeah but the reality is it's a B minus or whatever mm. you know it's not. It's a lost opportunity, but we'll see. Yeah, We'll find out on Wednesday, uh, September 21st, because National Treasure airs on Tuesday, September 20th at 9pm. Next up is celeb comedy quiz We Love Sitcom. Hosted by comedian and actor Ben Miller and produced by Phil McIntyre Television, the show will look at the different generations of sitcoms and feature familiar faces from the comedy world, including Jennifer Saunders, Nigel Havers, Lee Mack and Chris Addison. We'll review in a second, but first, a clip. In this round, Nigel Havers and Lee Mack are asked to pick a category based around sitcoms set in the workplace. I'd like to go for um, bus driver, just so... I better explain to Nigel what a bus is. Yes, um, yeah. It's the way poor people travel around. Uh, OK. It's like a Mercedes, but loads of people are on the bus. Uh, OK. That's, uh, <laughs> it's the way I got here and the way you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Should we go for bus driver then? Let's please? go for bus driver. Now then, Reg Varney, Ooh. who played Stan Butler in On the Buses, was the first person in the world well, to you. Surely that, that was Adam. Adam. Yeah. That was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first person in the world. Imagine that, Reg Varney and Eve. <laughs> I know you both like this one, right? Oh my God. I've written so many notes on this. I don't know where to start. I really don't. What came first? Sort of, we've got a hole in the schedule next week. What are we going to do? 
I've got some sitcoms that I've put some stuff together uh, the other week for some library show. Fantastic. Can we make a quiz around it? No. Oh, we can. No, we can't. It's, it's an hour. We definitely can't then, because if this is half an hour, I'd want to kill myself. But if it's an hour, I may as well quit television now. <laughs> I just, is, that, is that your resignation? I just, there, that... I've quit so many times. First of all, shouldn't it be called Wheel of Sitcoms? Grammatically. And they kept, and in fact, the opening gambit from oh, Miller was like, sort of, we love sitcom, right? And then everyone's talking about sitcoms. So grammatically, the title is wrong. And so, that's 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 so where it starts. Grammatical start, 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 reasons. Started at the that's title. grammatical reasons. I'm out. I'm at, you're out. Yeah. It's obviously a really poor attempt to try to be big fat quiz of the year from Channel Four. See, I um, listen. I actually quite liked it. Shut up. I really did. Which bit? My biggest problem was it was too long. It was an hour. hour. Only by fifty-five minutes. Though. But well, no. But BBC Hour is a crunchingly long Huge. time. This should have been like twenty-four minutes. And I think because they had good, good talent, great, great talent, amazing talent, amazing, amazing talent, who amazing, clearly didn't know what they're getting themselves into. Brilliant one-liners and some really funny bits. A few boring rounds, but it went on and on and on. Credit was, to the it, team, though, because oh, no, I, 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 I like, I love telly, and, mm. and and I try and like everything I watch because telly's not easy to make sometimes. Oh. And credit to the team who sort of obviously given this going, you got an hour, you got an hour to fill, and coming up with rounds where tell you what then. Then he can get up off his chair and walk around like blankety blank. Brilliant. Mm. And then we'll have a sofa. Mm. Brilliant. And then we'll have a buzzing round. But the only thing about the buzzer round, it'd be funny if they could press the buzzer all the way through. And that'll be the funny bit. No, it won't. Miller doesn't... I, I... He says early on uh, in, the, in the show, this is obviously uh, the sort of uh, bookend of the sitcom season that, mm. that they've just launched, that they could have used the money that they spent on to this make for, sitcom, to make yeah. another sitcom. Um, <laughs> Uh, and that's quite funny, a joke yeah. when they're, they're soon, but you actually think you probably should have. Well, I mean, it, it, you can tell this has been a scheduling whole uh, commission. Yeah. You know, and, totally. and it's exactly as Steve says, someone's gone, oh, here's a clever thought, put this in, oh, hang on, it's an hour. Now, that's it, that's the death knell. But some, some... It could have been half an hour and they could have put anything else on, you know. And why no one at the BBC had the balls to say when they saw the cut, it's too long. Yeah. Because they could have cut three rounds out and, you know, there are really good bits in this show. They're really good bits. Because there's some really hard work that's gone into that. Some mm. poor AP has had to put some of those tenuous sort of rounds together and go trawl through all the BBC sitcoms and one ITV sitcom and a couple of Channel 4 things that mm. they threw their way. Because let's not, you know, Mr Bean is not the entirety. What happened to Freshfields <laughs> yeah. and Me and My Girl and all the brilliant ITV sitcoms yeah. that we miss? But some poor AP had to go through all that and come up with actually quite well-rounded... Mm. Bits of VT that were that were quite well done. Then he gone to the round going, oh god, that's what you've done with the round. It feels like a, a bit of a, a poor way to end the, the sitcom season. Did you watch any of the others? Did I've you watch the, the the remakes and the new shows? I've watched I've watched most of the remakes so far, and I've watched about two of the new ones. But I've got all the rest are still stacked up on my Sky Plus. What did you think? So the remakes were Are You Being Served, Porridge, Young Hyacinth, and Goodnight Sweetheart. Yeah, Porridge not funny. Are You Being Served funny but dated, and bad acting. Uh, Young Hyacinth, no, I skipped that one. And then Death Till Death Has Do Part, I watched that. That was unfunny. Good acting, but unfunny. Really terrible script. I don't know why I they did, that I one. don't understand why they did it. Did and you then, watch some of these? I watched Porridge and I watched um, Young Hyacinth. I and just... then some of the modern sitcoms, Motherland, that's really yeah. funny. We've got We the Jury, Motherland, Coopers versus the Rest, Home yeah. from Home, and Our Ex Wife. And Our Ex Wife is the other one that's. Some of them are standing out straight away. Home which which home. two, Motherland and Motherland and, and our ex-wife? I think that's it. Those are the two. Those are the two strong ones. But no, I mean the the thing is, I, I thought it was great to put on so many pilots, but they put so many on, he started to lose them in the schedule. I mean, it was that thing of I didn't know whether couldn't find them on BBC Four, and it's it like, so hard to oh, hang on, you know, that initial are you being served and porridge was 
oh, it was a disappointment. I wanted Porridge to be brilliant. And and a lot of people said it was. I mean, it's very, you know, subjective. But are you being served? I actually laughed all the way through. Did you? Because I'm a low-rent trash, <laughs> you know, that likes innuendo. Death, and Death to Love's Part was a, a, a lost joke. script, though, wasn't it? It wasn't necessarily a, a remake. Well, yeah, I, that was just, a, that, that was like watching some sort of experimental art, like doing a sitcom <laughs> as a play without laughs. You know what I mean? And it, and it, and I... And I just thought, and it was good acting, but it didn't. It, that one just left me cold. Did you watch some of the new shows, Steve? Did you watch any of those? No, I haven't seen the new ones. No. Do you think they, that putting them together was was the right idea? No, I think I, then that's why I haven't seen new ones because I actually thought the sitcom season was all about the old ones. Yeah. So I've, well, to- I've press, totally the missed press, the point. The press missed out. There wasn't was something like ten pilots being shown. But that's that's what the BBC should be doing. I mean, you know, getting yeah. sitcoms right is so difficult, yeah, and it's as you say, so subjective. And there's some things that you know you need. Seinfeld, my favourite ever yeah. sitcom in the world first series really not very good at mm. all and it wasn't until the third series that NBC amazingly sort of you know kept them going and then went you have to have the rest of it well Shane Shane used to do comedy labs at Channel 4 right. and he's basically taken that sort of plan back to the BBC and BBC had done these before little pilots and they did Ronnie Barker yeah, yeah. I think Open All Hours was a, originally one of these kind of things but you know this idea of putting on new things and seeing if it'll sink or swim is exactly what they should be yeah. doing so oh, yes, definitely. Seinfeld co-owned by uh, Donald Trump's new campaign. Manager. I read about that. That just makes me weep. Does it make you? Yeah, uh, it just makes me really sad that they <laughs> bought the rights to that. Brilliant. And they're obviously trying to make Diane Morgan uh, give her some role. She was in two of these. Yeah, I, she was. She was good though. Yeah, you know, I mean, she, Motherland. I thought she was great. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. She it, that that had like some of the biggest names in comedy writing for it. Four four writers for yeah. God's sake. So I mean, I don't Ray know. Linehan if, and Sharon Horgan. Mm, and, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it, new comedies all the t- all the time. Please, m- the more the merrier, because you will start getting really good ones. Yeah, and, you get traction. Yeah, and you think we'll get some series out of these? You think? Oh God, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he, sh- sh- I mean, I don't know whether Shane's already made his mind up or whether he was waiting for ratings, but definitely, there's got to be at least two or three that will that'll go series. Wonderful. Well, uh, we can end on an optimistic note. Uh, thank you, guys. That's your lot for this episode. Uh, I'm Peter White. The producer is Matt Hill, and we will see you on the other side. You've been listening to Broadcast, talking TV, recorded at Maple Street Studios. 